When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What is up, everybody, and welcome to the Denver Sports Podcast presented by Breckenridge Brewery. Or you can check out the Hootenanny here in just a couple of weeks. Breckenridge Brewery is throwing a big kickoff to fall. My favorite season, kickoff to fall, Hootenanny, the 8th and ninth, where you can catch lots of great local acts, including the Spin Doctors and Railroad Earth, rocking out. Stay tuned. We'll have more on that later in the show. Today's episode is going to be a lightning round around DNBR, which means around the Denver sports world. We're going to talk with RK on the Broncos, AJ on the Avalanche. We're going to check in on the Rockies, the Buffs, and the Rams and get a little bit of what you need to know going into the weekend for every single sports team in Denver. We're going to start off with my Denver Nuggets. I'm, of course, Adam Mata, host of the DNBR Nuggets podcast and the analyst and reporter on the Denver Nuggets here at DNBR. The Nuggets Report for Media Day on Monday. The band is getting back together, starting to tip off a new season with training camp going Tuesday through Saturday in San Diego. Myself and Harrison Wind will be bringing you live reports from the practice facility out there at San Diego State. But what are we looking for heading into it? This is a very interesting training camp for the Nuggets. Much more uh, interesting than it has been in years past is we are going to get a first look at Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray, who are returning from season-long absences uh, for both guys. Of course, Jamal Murray coming off of an ACL injury that he sustained 18 months ago. We've seen some clips of him on social media doing workouts, five-on-fives, playing some live game, even getting up and dunking through traffic. So we are to believe that his recovery is now complete and that obviously there'll be mental hurdles and, and, and the timing and everything coming back to him. But the big question heading into camp is just how ready is he? 18 months is a long time for a recovery from ACL, but with him not having participated in actual practices and an actual game since then, this will be our first look and our first sort of insight into what should be expected of him in the early parts of training camp. Is he going to be able to go full go? Is he look impressive in workouts? Um, you know, exactly what parts of his game maybe have improved or maybe are still slow to recover as he gets back on the court. The same goes for Michael Porter Jr., who less has been known. We have seen him as well in some of these five-on-five clips coming out of pre-camp practices and workouts. We know that he's playing. We know that he's been shooting and doing drills. And same as Jamal Murray, getting up, and we've seen some clips of him dunking and, you know, obviously doing athletic things. But less is known about his availability and is he going to be 100% heading into camp? What is the time frame looking like? Some of those ans- uh, questions will be answered at media day and throughout training camp. We can't look, uh, can't wait to get a look at that. There's also new additions to the Denver Nuggets roster, namely in Bruce Brown and Contavious Caldwell-Pope. 
Contavious Caldwell-Pope, a.k.a. KCP, will likely be the starting shooting guard entering the season, uh, completing what should be one of the best starting lineups in all of the NBA, if not the best starting lineup. And then you got Bruce Brown, who is a very unique player, can play multiple positions, shooting guard, small forward and power forward, sometimes center, even though he's only six foot five. He has played center in the past in the sort of small ball configuration. He's very strong, uh, very smart, very good team defensive player and on ball defensive player. So how do those guys work in uh, to the rotation? What is their fit like? This is the least Denver has remained con uh, has has maintained continuity really in the Jokic era. There's been a lot of turnover with some new players and some new guys who have been into rotation, kind of moving into more prominent roles like Bones Highland and Zeke Naji. Speaking of Bones Highland, all eyes will be on him in the early part of camp as we start to look at what improvements does he make. Denver took a bit of a gamble this offseason, trading away Monte Morris, a very steady and reliable and consistent backup point guard who led the bench for the Nuggets for the last several seasons. He was moved to Washington for Contavious Caldwell-Pope, a upgrade as a defensive wing, but a downgrade in terms of the backup point guarding role. But you have Bones Highland here, who really showed a lot of flashes last year as a great high upside player with a steep learning curve. The last three, four months of the season for Bones Highland were very impressive. Is he ready to take on the larger role? There's not really a great option behind him. So for the Nuggets, his growth and what he looks like early on in the season will probably paint a lot of their success in the early go. Same goes for Zeke Naji, who's had a more of an up and down first two seasons with the Denver Nuggets, namely because of injuries. Towards the middle of last season, really even getting approaching the end of last season, Zeke Naji was showing real upside, steady member of the rotation, a very good three-point shooting big man who could also defend inside, defend on the perimeter. But his season last year was derailed by a late-season injury that kind of took him out of the rotation heading into the playoffs. The Nuggets are counting on him to make a leap and be the player that you saw in the good portions of last season prior to the injury. So all eyes will be on him as well. Should be a very interesting week for the Nuggets. Usually training camp, you ease your way into it. In years past, players like Nikola Jokic haven't even participated. They've sat out for large portions of training camp. I don't expect that to be the case this year. This is a team that has championship aspirations. And coming into this season with the return of Michael Porter Jr. and the return of Jamal Murray, you look for all of those guys to be kind of uh, full speed ahead, try to hit the ground running and really gain some chemistry and familiarity before the season uh, tips off. The Nuggets also play a home game against the Oklahoma City Thunder in just 11 days, and the season opener is just less than four weeks away. Kind of a crazy thing to think about. Football just started, basketball right around the corner, and next Monday's Media Day, and of course, we'll have all of the coverage on thednbr.com as well as on the DNVR Nuggets podcast. All right, now we bring on Ryan Konensberg, a.k.a. RK, host of the DMVR Broncos podcast and our Broncos reporter and analyst. RK, good to see you. Good to see you. We got ourselves a pivotal game here this weekend, I feel. We had the disappointing opening week loss. You had the, I would say, just encouraging enough second week to win. Like, not so encouraging that you're feeling confident, but just a little bit. And now this one, to me, as an outsider, feels like it's the swing week. You get the win here, you go to two and one. Okay, you're off to the good start in the Hackett area. You lose this one, you're off to the bad start. Do you feel the same way? 
Yeah, for sure. In my opinion, it's this huge swing game in everything. It's going to swing the narrative. Um, You know, the national narrative right now on the Broncos couldn't be worse. Uh, You know, they're kind of the butt of every joke right now because people like, you know, making jokes about Russ. And then obviously Nathaniel Hackett has made himself an easy target here in these first two weeks, especially when your first game is on Monday Night Football and you make a massive mistake. So now you have a chance to undo that, right? Because Sunday Night Football is second most football broadcast every week, second most watched football broadcast every week. So it's a swing game for that. It's a huge swing game for your record. Um, And Mm -hmm. it's a swing game, I think, for the fan base who is – they are rabid right now. It's a a crazy place to be. And it's not necessarily Russell Wilson or Nathaniel Hackett or anyone else's fault that the team's been bad for so long. But when everyone – thinks that those times are over and then it doesn't feel that way after the first two weeks you enter a a, a scary territory so i think the fan base and i think the the proper analysis is somewhere where the mistakes have been so loud but the results necessarily haven't necessarily matched the full-on outrage meaning this is part of why it's a swing week as you look at this and you say hey they've been funny to talk about russ has been an easy target to make fun of but when you step back it's not neither it's neither great nor terrible and that's why i think some of this do you feel for is it more pressure or more of a swing week for russell wilson or nathaniel hackett definitely hackett uh you know russ was really good in week one i feel like people forget yeah. that quickly you know 340 yards on 70 percent completion that's honestly mvp caliber play um if they just punch in those touchdowns and then Obviously, week two, Russ was not as good, but they got the win. They were able to pull it out. He makes the big throw that gives them the game-winning touchdown. Uh, But Hackett is the one who is a much bigger unknown. You know, Russell Wilson has 10 years of of tape saying he's very good at quarterback, uh, if not great or beyond. Nathaniel Hackett has nothing so far that says he's a good head coach. I will say I think people are overlooking the fact that the offense um, has actually been very good, not not between the 20s, but between the 1s. Um, you know, <laughs> 99 yards of that field, Nathaniel Hackett That's is true. killing it. Um, the Broncos are actually leading the league in yards per drive, meaning they are moving the ball very well. And so wow. credit to Nathaniel Hackett for that. But like you said, um, the mistakes have been so loud. And I think in a lot of people's eyes, embarrassing um, that it just they just don't <laughs> care. You know, they, they want to see competent, clean, concise coaching. The flip side of this is that the Broncos have only allowed what twenty six points, twenty five points all season. Less um, than that, yeah. or I guess yeah, twenty five points. I think yeah, twenty five. Yeah. Uh, so all season long, of course, over two games now, should we be more encouraged by what we're seeing from this defense? Yeah, it's one of those things though, where when people you know are in a mood, they're like, yeah, of course <laughs> the defense looked good against the Seahawks and the Texans, right? Uh, um, you know, you hold the Texans to nine points. I was like. I tweeted out like what a performance for the defense and people weren't having it. They were just like, what what did they do? They didn't do anything. I'm like, I don't know. They had multiple strip sacks. They won the game for the team. They didn't allow, you know, any touchdowns. So I'm encouraged by that. Um, This week will be a big test because while Jimmy Garoppolo is not the most exciting quarterback in the world, he's very competent. And Kyle Mm -hmm. Shanahan is arguably the best play caller in the world. So, you know, he's going to make things tough on you. He is going to see things on film that he feels like he can exploit. And you're going to have to make adjustments on the fly uh, or else, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo is very capable of, of beating you. 
How many points do the Broncos defense need to limit the 49ers to this week to get a win? I mean, this is, I guess, a little bit of a cop-out, but I always use the number 24. Um, okay. I feel like going into every game, the defense holds them under 24. They've done their job. The offense scores over 24. They feel like they should. that should be enough points to win. It changes a little bit based on the opponent, but that that's what I say is, you know, 24, that's the magic number. Keep them under that, and you, you should be able to look at the other side of the ball and say, hey, we did enough. Is there a specific player this week that you think takes center stage or, or, or maybe steps into the spotlight that hasn't been in the spotlight so far? Man, I think they have to get Albert Okwebunam involved. Um, you know, especially if Jerry Judy's not going to play, it doesn't look great. And so you take out Jerry Judy. Obviously, Tim Patrick's already out of the picture. KJ Hamler in and out with injury. And so it's Cortland Sutton. And last week, like, it was just Cortland Sutton. Russ, right. you know, was awesome throwing to Cortland. He was 7 of 20 throwing to anyone else. Um, they need someone else to go be a threat out there. It's not Tyree Cleveland. It's not Kendall Hinton. Albert Okwebunam per, 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 uh, creates difficult matchups for the defense, and he just hasn't been able to get involved. Now, he dropped an easy pass early in the game, and I just don't know if that lost his right. trust from Russ last week. But he has to go out there and, and create mismatches for the Broncos. You, I think it was you on, on Twitter earlier this week noted Russell Wilson's uh, record in primetime games, in marquee games. This one's obviously primetime, uh, the late night game on Sunday. Does that do anything for you or for the Broncos? I mean, it's the second time in the first three weeks that they're going to be on primetime. Is, does that put an extra pressure, extra eyeballs, or maybe just an extra excitement into this game? I think it definitely puts extra pressure and extra eyeballs and extra excitement. Um, but it's definitely pressure for Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, and I hope that he can kind of put that aside. But everyone's watching again. And I tweeted it out. I'm like, the whole NFL world is going to be salivating, just waiting yeah. for the first misstep from Nathaniel Hackett so they can all get their memes off. Um, and so, yeah, that creates extra pressure. But Russell Wilson, man, 19 and three in his career in primetime home games. Man. That is something, you know, people want, people want to say a different team, different coach, all that stuff. No, it's something he's at his best when the lights come on. Uh, and I've spent my whole life, you know, it's when the Broncos brought in Russell Wilson, I said it over and over again. I'm like, I've been betting on Russell Wilson in primetime at home or as an underdog my whole life, like just cashing in on this because he takes his game to another level in these situations. So that's, I, I think it is something that you can bank on and expect Russ to be at his best on Sunday night. It is the game of the week here in Denver Broncos 49ers, of course, the night game, and you can catch out our tailgate, which is an extended tailgate this weekend. What do we have going on this weekend? Yeah. Uh, Mile high city sliders in the house starting at one o'clock. That is a long tailgate. That's a, <laughs> that's what I call like a college football style tailgate. Throw it yeah. back to when you're in college, get there five hours before the game. Uh, you know, get your all in ticket so you can have plenty of drinks and uh, get nice and rowdy before you welcome the 49ers to that field. He is RK. You can catch all of his takes over on the DNVR Broncos podcast. And if you want to bet along with him, the DNVR bets podcast. Thanks so much, RK. NFL action is in full swing at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. 
We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If that's not enough, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings' stepped-up same-game parlays. Right now, for every leg you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100%. With payouts bigger than ever, why bet on football anywhere else? To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR to get $200 in free bets. If your team wins when you t- when you place a $5 bet on any football game, that's code DNVR only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Also want to tell you guys about Game Time. It's the hottest new ticketing site that makes it even easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets to sports, concerts, and shows. Ever dreamed of sitting in your never-thought-you-could seats, 50-yard line, courtside, behind home plate, floor seats at a concert, maybe. It's possible with the Game Time app. The biggest last-minute price drops can be found on the seats you thought you could never buy. Here's a pro tip for you. You're going down to watch the Denver Nuggets, Colorado Avalanche, maybe even the Denver Broncos. You show up. You don't have tickets. Don't panic. You hang out. You tailgate. Maybe you have a little drink in the lobby before you go, and then right before tip-off, you open up that Game Time app, and let's see those cheap deals start flooding in. You get your tickets right then and there. We just went as DNVR. We went to the Rockies game, and I kid you not, using the Game Time app, we found tickets for $1.00. I'm telling you, Rockies games, that there's only like four left here at home. Home games for $1 where you just go sit up at the party deck, have a beer, and watch the team as you have fun with your friends. You can't beat it, especially this time of year when the weather outside is so perfect. But you've also got fall concerts coming up. And then, of course, right around the corner, you've got the Nuggets. you got the Avalanche. So use the Game Time app. Uh, and don't forget to use the link that is in the description of this show. Just open up your phone, go to the podcast app, scroll through the description of the show, and bada bing, bada boom, you can click right there, and you'll get the discount that you get through using DNVR. All right, now we bring in AJ Hayfully. He is the host of the DNVR Avalanche podcast, well as our Avalanche reporter and analyst. AJ, it's good to see you, man. Yo, what's Yo. up? Burning the midnight oil here. So um, the first place I want to go is the signing of Nathan McKinnon. Uh, eight years, $101 million. Was there anything about it? We knew the signing was coming. We knew he was going to get the deal. But was there anything about it that was surprising to you? Honestly, not too much of it was uh, was really that surprising. Uh, he sets the NHL, uh, the new standard in the NHL for highest contract by one hundred thousand dollars per year. That's meaningful, uh, isn't it? Uh, sure. Uh, he gets. The, I mean, honestly, do you think there's I, something to like? Hey, I, I mean, want to be year after years of him having to hear how underpaid he was and you know oh you're not making enough money blah 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 he for for at least a year he'll get to say he's the highest paid player in right. the league right so it because it doesn't even kick in till next season he'll he'll get to be the highest paid player for probably one season before right. uh the next wave of superstar contracts kicks in um so this is it's it honestly ended up being pretty fortuitous timing for the Avalanche in that way, in that Nathan McKinnon is the first of the super, of the young superstars to sign their next uh, their next contracts, because Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, those guys are all coming down the pipe, uh, and those guys will all push for a right. similar amount of money, if not more, 
Uh, so, and it could end up being quite a bit more. Like McDavid could have, McDavid's deal could be fifteen million. So, McKinnon mm-hmm. at twelve point twelve point six when something like that happens will be uh, quite the steal. Is the timing of it surprising at all? I mean, I know all these things often go right before camp. Uh, I think it's surprising in that a lot of us thought it was going to get done two months ago. Uh, and then it, it ended up being a little, a little bit more of a grind than, than expected. But other than that, you know, I mean, he didn't, he didn't want to have it drag into the season. He knew he wanted to be here. The Avs wanted him to be here. They were, they were willing to make him the highest paid player just barely in the league. They were, they were happy with that. And they, you know, I, I think it was a, the surprise is probably more that it took as long as it did. But it, it in no way got contentious or turned into an right. ugly thing. So right. everybody ends up happy. The Avs get their guy. Uh, he's set up now to be one of the all-time great Colorado athletes uh, in history and has a chance to has a chance to chase down his you know his predecessor in Joe Sackick as kind of the man. So he uh, he's in a pretty good spot. The Avs are in a pretty good spot. I think everybody feels quite happy uh coming out of this i like it so the vibes are up as we enter training camp now tomorrow morning i know i understand you guys will all be down there what are some of the top storylines that you're looking for things you're most interested in learning or just observing this this as training camp opens up well i think the two big storylines going into avalanche training camp nazim kadri's gone he's in calgary now right. um who replaces him uh who's gonna kind of step in as the second line center before Kadri arrived to Denver, second line center was a big problem for the organization, and it uh, it limited their ability to go deep in the postseason because they just didn't they didn't have that guy. You know, one of their second round losses, uh, the one to Vegas, no Nazem Kadri in that entire series, uh, and their lack of their lack of high end depth there on that second line really got exposed and was a problem in that series and. So coming into this season, is it going to be Alex Newhook? Is it going to be Evan Rodriguez? Is Miko Rantanen going to slide over from his cozy spot as an elite right wing and try out the the 2C job? They're, they've got options, and that's that's what they've got to figure out in this training camp is. Uh, and then really in this preseason, the first couple months of the regular season, uh, who gets first crack? Uh, the Avs are not 100% healthy coming into camp because of such a short summer short off season right uh we're not really going to get to see the full top six kind of get a chance to play together until the regular season has already begun so who gets first crack there who's who takes spots on the wings who who gets first chance to be the uh the the second line center and you know what's the trickle down effect if if guys are going to miss some time at the beginning of the year who are the next forwards that are going to step up? You know what? Uh, ben Myers is going to have his full rookie year coming into this season, and uh, after after signing as a free agent out of Minnesota at the end of last season, you know he got five games with the Avs, looked pretty good in a, in games that the Avs honestly just didn't care that much about. Right. And uh, how does how does he fit into the to, to the picture? Where is he in this whole mix? So it's it's a lot of uncertainty in the meat of the forward core at the very top, they're set with their top line. If they want it, of uh, their whole fourth line from the Stanley cup final is back. They're set there. Mm-hmm. If they want it, it's figuring out two and three. 
who's going to be who's going to be in the middle of that lineup who's going to play with whom who clicks who has chemistry who doesn't how does it all kind of fit together so that is that's the first thing that I'm looking at going into training camp and the second thing Darcy Kemper's gone right uh Alexander Georgiev comes in after a pretty poor season as the Rangers backup. Uh, he really has been in the hype has been attached to Georgiev. His physical uh, tools have always kind of been there. Uh, there's always been a belief that he had the ability to be a, a, a pretty good starting goaltender in the NHL has never done it, has never proven it. Um, the hope is that the stretches of his career in which he was the best or when he got to play consistently. Um, and so the hope is that he can translate that into a, being a legit starting goaltender. 26 years old, he's right in that that age range where, hey, if you really do get something with this guy, you might have found a long-term solution at the position. But they're rolling the dice, kind of resetting it once again. You know, this is, they go from, they go from Semyon Varlamov to Philip Grubauer to Darcy Kemper to now Alexander Georgiev. And how does that, it, you know, of the guys that they have went, uh, the, the, of, of those guys on that list, you know, between Varley, uh, Grubauer, and Kemper, Georgiev's track record is significantly worse than all those other guys when they got to Denver. So it is a major question mark. You know, the, the Avs won with just good enough goaltending, but given how deep uh, the team was in in front of the goalie. You could probably get away with that All trick right. once. You know, there's there's a reason that it was anomalous, and the people that think, oh, hey, this is just who the Abs can be. They just don't need an elite goalie. They're the exception. They'll be able to run it back with with poor postseason goaltending. Uh, I think it's delusional, and it's just not something that you know. If, Lightning, lightning striking in the same place twice, right? Like you talk about it, like it's just not a thing that happens. So counterpoint um, 16 and four, right? Like they were <laughs> exceptional in the postseason, but they're not as deep. They're not as good yeah, no. today. They would lose to the Stanley cup final roster. Uh, today's right, roster right. would lose gotcha. to the Stanley cup final roster. Uh, their defense is the best in the league. It's exceptional. One through six uh, for me is the bona fide tip top of the NHL. Uh, only Calgary's defense really measures up, uh, and they don't have Kale McCarr. So that's that's kind of Colorado's ultimate ace in the hole in every conversation. Is you look at them in a head-to-head matchup against somebody else, and the Avs have Kale McCarr, the other team doesn't, and right. that gives that's advantage Colorado against every team in the league and every situation in the league. So uh, you know how how Georgiev does behind a, a very good hockey team. It's I say the abs are worse today than they were in the Stanley Cup final. They're still very, very good. Uh, and they should be the heavy favorites in their division. And uh, between them and Calgary, those are really the only two teams out West that I think you walk into the season with a lot of confidence that they're going to be really good. And they're going to be a really tough out every single night. Is there anybody, you know, when you think back to last year, I mean, there's young players all over this roster. Was there anybody last year that really started to stand out during training camp where you said, hey, this might be special. They're making a leap. And is there anybody, I'm thinking of guys like Byram, you know, obviously who were very good last year, but is this, is training camp where you first start to see, hey, they're leveling up? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think just given how Byram, how good Byram was in the Stanley Cup final, 
Uh, we've seen it now in the NHL on the biggest stage imaginable uh, in, in the world of hockey. It doesn't get any bigger than right. the Stanley Cup final. And Bowen Byram was, you could make an argument that he was their second best, close to their best defenseman in the Stanley Cup final. He was that good. He was that good in the cup final. So uh, I would say that the guy, if you're really looking for a young guy to like take a big step forward, this is Alex Newhook's conversation. Uh, Ooh, he's yeah. going to be in that conversation for the you know, third, fourth line type role, and he should be in the mix okay. for the top six uh, this season. He's definitely the guy that you want to see take a big step forward at the forward position and uh, and push, push. You want to see he had a he had a 30, 30 point rookie season, totally respectable. That needs to go to forty or fifty if the Avs are going to be a serious threat. He is AJ Hayfley. You can catch all the updates from training camp through the weekend over on the DMVR Avalanche podcast. And of course, read all of the written content. They have you covered A to Z over there. Thanks so much, AJ. It's my pleasure. All right. I'm joined now by Patrick Lyons. He's the host of the DMVR Rockies podcast, as well as our Rockies analyst and reporter. Uh, and he's reporting now live from Coors Field, where he's watching the Rockies lose to the Giants currently. Looks like they're going to lose. I'll go ahead and call it. They're probably going to lose and drop to 64 and 85. Um, Patrick, fill me in. You know, what are the 13, 14 games remaining? Is the main storyline right now the race for 68 and a half wins in your mind? Possibly. Uh, there are a lot of people out there, uh, especially those taking advantage of a really good win line for the Rockies at 68 and a half. So uh, there's definitely a hunt for 69. But uh, if you follow us on uh, all social media, you know that my prediction was for them to have 70 wins uh, by the end of the season. And up to this point, going into the series, they were exactly where they needed to be. Had to go two and two for a split against the Giants and then take two of three against the Padres before winning two of nine games in California against the Giants and Dodgers. Of course, they did start out with uh, the two losses on Monday and Tuesday. Monday night, particularly bad uh, since yeah. they were up 7-5 going into the ninth. Oof. Get coughed up two runs there in the ninth, lost it in the tenth. So that one could be one that comes back to haunt them, but – uh, they're slightly behind schedule just a little bit, but I think they're going to eat this one out still in the hunt for 69. They'll find Do you it. like this setup down the stretch? You got a, a home series right now going on with San Francisco, home series against San Diego, and then you finish on the road in the division as well as San Francisco, and then six straight against the Dodgers. Do you, I mean, not necessarily for the win-loss, but just for the way that it ends, do you like going straight division, straight on the road for, what, nine straight games? In the division, obviously, it's very fine. You're familiar with that, right. and especially if the season's on the line. You want to be playing against teams that could factor into a postseason play or winning the division, something that we know the Rockies have never done. <laughs> but the fact that it's nine. They're, is only, they're only 40 so games back, Patrick. I mean, come on. Okay, so if the Dodgers lose every game and the Rockies win every game, you're saying they're only going to be back by like 25 games? Okay, that's not so bad. Um, but, yeah, the, the thing that you don't like, obviously, most is a lot can happen over the course of those nine games. And when they're on the road, you don't have that same access, thankfully. Uh, our very own Susie Hunter will be out there in L.A. a little bit covering that. So uh, she'll be able to get some of those one-on-one -on -one interviews. So uh, the the – the fact that they are going away with, with so much left obviously uh, is a little bit disappointing uh, when you're covering a team on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, but 
fact that it's in division is uh, is perfectly acceptable. Maybe you get a taste of uh, what the second tier Dodgers are like. Think of it as like the Triple A Dodgers uh, oh, no. in the Major League Rockies. We'll find out in a couple weeks. Clash of the Titans. Um, all right. So there's what 13, 14 games left. Why, why tune in? What is it? If I'm tuning into the Rockies, what is it I should be paying attention to over this last couple weeks? You're paying attention to the young guys on the roster. In yep. particularly, the the news that came out uh, on Wednesday before that game was that uh, their top infield prospect Ezekiel Tovar is getting promoted to the major leagues. 21 year old kid who. Uh, really has set the minor leagues on fire this year in particular. Last year had a really good year, but really the prospect pundits started to notice, hey, wait a minute, this kid has got something. He's 20, he was 20 years old last year, playing against guys two, three, four, five years older than him uh, and holding his own. He can pick it at shortstop. He's, he's really solid defensively. The bat has come around in a major way. And so uh, we expect for his, him to debut on, on Thursday, if not Friday. We'll, we'll see. Uh, when he gets here from uh, Texas, uh, where he was uh, with the Albuquerque Isotopes in AAA. And so he's ready to go. He is the shortstop of the future. He's here. First baseman, right fielder, Michael Tolia, uh, is is playing just about every day. Has a lot of pop in the bat. In fact, has the most extra base hits on the Rockies since he's been promoted. Eli Harris Montero is over there at third base. And you guys, you got guys like Sean Bouchard, Ryan Feltner, who's a rookie, Alan Trejo, who's getting a lot of playing time. Uh, and Bud Black mentioned today, he's going to learn a little bit of outfield. So you could have a Garrett Hampson 2.0, uh, maybe with a little bit more power and a little more defensive flexibility with him too. So uh, the future of the Rockies is just starting right now. It may be another year or two until that translates into wins in another postseason, but it is starting right now. In some ways, that seems almost more interesting than, say, the last 30 games, you know, getting these guys up here with a guy like Tovar, you know, is he going to walk right in, play every game, you know, start every game, do you expect, or be kind of sprinkled in here, ease him in slowly? I'm not sure, to be honest. Uh, I, I If I had my druthers, he would be playing every day. Right. Uh, you're going to see that with Michael Tolia. Now, uh, Tovar did miss uh, a little over two months with a groin injury, but the fact okay. that he back and he was able to play uh, in five games with the isotopes there uh, in triple a suggests that he's back he's fully healthy so if you're going to call him up you might as well play him the interesting thing is that bud black you know has expressed uh this interest in in calling up some of these young guys i mean shoot noah davis has been on the roster for about a week and we haven't seen him pitch yet uh, at the time of recording this on wednesday uh, and buddy has said that you know what these young guys can benefit from being around a charlie blackman a daniel bard a cj crone even a Kyle Freeland, who's now one of the veteran guys on the team. So even just being around them, seeing how they operate on a day-to-day -day basis has a lot of value rather than either ending your season early or are sitting on the bench there in AAA. So uh, there's a lot of value to, to being able to just be around the guys, be on the roster, be on the bench. But if you're calling up Tovar, the fans are going to want to see him. And so he better play. And, and I hope that's the case. I like it. So Tovar, Tolia, those are the guys to keep an eye on, as well as a couple others. But those two guys, I'm going to have my eye on, as well as, of course, the best part of the Rocky season, that race for 68 and a half, four and a half wins away. We'll be keeping our eye on that. Uh, Patrick, thanks so much for joining me. Yeah, thank you, Adam. Appreciate it. Tell you guys about Manscaped, the leader in below-the-waist grooming. They've created a championship lineup with the Performance Package 4.0. Join the 6 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped 
and get ready for kickoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping whenever you use the promo code DNVR. The easiest promo code in the world to remember. 20% off plus free shipping. What is Manscaped? Their performance package 4.0. Inside you'll find their lawnmower 4.0, the trimmer, the weed whacker, ear and nose hair trimmer, the crop preserver, which is their ball deodorant, crop uh, reviver toner, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag. I'm telling you, all that great stuff you can get in their Performance Package 4.0. The fourth generation trimmer also features cutting edge ceramic blades to reduce grooming accidents uh, thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. I'm telling you, there's nobody in this space like Manscaped. They're absolute top of their game. And if you want that introduction to all of the different things that they do, the Performance Package 4.0 is the one that's gonna get you all of that, all of the stuff you need for your men's grooming. So get 20% off and free shipping whenever you use the code DNVR at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code DNVR at manscaped.com. It's time to put the PP back in PPR and get a grip on your pigskin this season with Manscaped. I also want to tell you guys about the GOAT in Colorado sports. That is, of course, Ivaca TV. You guys know them if you know us at DNVR Nuggets. We went to Serbia for a week of incredible content research, discovery, and just plain old having a good time. And the guys at Devaca TV, guys and gals, they made it all possible by not just sponsoring that trip, but being the host site for our soon-to-be-released documentary on the trip and on the history of Serbian basketball. You guys are going to absolutely love this. And Avaca TV, what I love about them is not only are they bringing you your Colorado Avalanche, your Denver Nuggets, and a whole host of other channels, premium channels that you get along with them for just $25 a month plus the free receiver, but they also want to fund big projects for DNVR. That's why they sent us to Serbia. That's why they're going to be the exclusive partner uh, for the debut and the premiere of that documentary, which will be out here within a month. Um, so if you don't want to miss out on that, right now you sign up for them. Again, $25 a month plus $5 for a receiver. You uh, take $10 off for the first three months when you use uh, this website, evoca, vaca.tv slash Colorado 10. Use that Colorado 10 slash Colorado 10 and you get $10 off per month for the first three months. That's the deal, obviously, with us. Again, link in the description. And when you do that, you're going to be signed up just in time for the Colorado Avalanche to defend the Stanley Cup, for the Denver Nuggets to search and hunt for their first ever Larry O'Brien trophy, as well as a host of other great channels. And, of course, the, top, the cherry on top, the DNVR documentary on Serbia that you're not going to want to miss out on. So check them out, ivaca.tv slash Colorado 10. All right, we're joined now by Jake Schwanitz. He is the host of the CU Buffs podcast, as well as our CU Buffs reporter and analyst. Jake, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Adam. Uh, happy to be here and talking some Buffs. Um, I know you're lying because the Buffs are 0-3 <laughs> to start the season. It's been rough. Three blowout losses. Um, it's been They've been on the struggle bus. What can you tell me? You know, Is there anything positive that you've learned about the team in the first three weeks that give you any reason for optimism heading into week four? Um, I think optimism is a strong word for this week. Uh, yeah. We did see Owen McCown play quarterback last week. He was a highly touted uh, recruit for the Buffs. Of course, he's Josh McCown's son, who was a, I mean, 18, 19, 20 year NFL veteran. He, so he finally got on the field last weekend against Minnesota, uh, showed us some things. We'll see just how much we see from him down the line here, though. What was encouraging about him or, or, or what kind of stood out to you? 
I mean, he just flashed. Uh, you know, he's got athleticism. The arm was popping off the tape too. So uh, you can see he has ability. I mean, the guy is pretty small. He's about 170 pounds. So he needs time for that body develop to develop in still. Uh, but the natural talent is there, which is what got everyone so excited. What's the most glaring weakness right now with this Buffs team? Oh, man, Uh, you're putting me in a tough one here. I'm going to say coaching. Um, Coaching and administration, I mean, have really let this program down, let these fans down. And the fans haven't been shy. They've been letting them know it. Uh, So I think that uh, it's pretty safe to say coaching is the weakness here. What can you tell me about UCLA? They're coming in uh, to Colorado on Saturday. Um, What does this matchup look like? Well, UCLA is a, a bit of an interesting team. They run a pretty balanced attack with DTR at quarterback. They also have a stable of backs uh, led by Zach Charbonnet. Defensively, they've been a bit iffy. They went to the wire against South Alabama last week, had to win on a last-minute field goal. Uh, but otherwise, offensively, this team is going to present some challenges to CU. CU's defense is a team that is by far and away one of the worst rushing defenses in college football, and that's mm. really where UCLA makes their bread and butter. Uh, so we'll see just how bad it is this weekend. And CU's given up some big point totals, 38, 41, and 49, kind of progressively getting worse. It sounds like that might be a big challenge this week with with sort of a movable object and unstoppable force here with the run game. But on the other end, you know, CU hasn't scored well. You talk about a new quarterback out there. Is this an opportunity, even in a loss, if it is a loss, for the offense to kind of find their footing? Uh, you would hope so. I mean, there's just been some weird stuff going around. I mean, two, the second game of the season in Air Force was – it wasn't in a downpour. It was a steady rain, though. It was a wet field all day. That's gotcha. where JT Shrout got his first start. He looked awful. Uh, last week, off the very first offensive play, Shrout fumbled the football uh, from a blown block from a running back. So it's just been a series of unfortunate events, really. Just bad turnovers, uh, bad luck, lots of drops. So it's really the small things that uh, you can look for an improvement this weekend. What was the mood and, and sort of the personality of the team this week in the lead up? Is there any sense that, hey, let's, you know, try to get a win and try to start something new here? Yeah, well, Carl Durrell has been pretty uh, consistent in maintaining some positivity, especially talking to the media. Same with the players. Uh, the general sentiment is that they feel they're practicing well, that they have some of these things down. It's just not translating over to game days. And also that these early turnovers just really put them behind and it throws out their whole game plan uh, in the first quarter because, I mean, you're down 7, 14 points right. already halfway through the first quarter. So, Is there one player? Can you give me one player you kind of have your eye on this week, the most interesting player? Sure. I've been enjoying watching Deion Smith, the running back for the Buffs. Um, Alex Fontenot, their other running back, is going to be out with uh, an injury he suffered against Air Force. Dion saw some improved workload last week against Minnesota. He's probably in line for the same thing this week. Keep an eye out for him. All righty, he is Jake Schwanitz, and he's got you covered on the CU Buffs podcast. You can catch that Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, as well as all of his great coverage on the dnvr.com. Thanks so much, Jake. Thanks, Adam. All right, now we go to Justin Michael. He is the host of the CSU Rams podcast as well as our CSU Rams analyst and reporter. Justin, it's good to see you. Good to see you too, man. How you doing? I'm doing great. We're excited for the first day of fall here and um, more excited for CSU to hopefully get their first win this weekend, have a little bit of a bounce back. They are 0-3, three blowout losses, 
off to a bit of a slow start in the Norvell era, but I think that was to be expected. What would you say you've learned about Coach Jay Norvell so far in his early tenure? That he's, you know, going to be the same demeanor even when things are ugly. He hasn't, you know, shifted his, you know, post-game mentality or anything like that. His message has stayed true. I think they genuinely believe in, in what they're doing, which is encouraging to see. I think we saw last year, actually the last couple of years with CSU, a team that, you know, you hear all these great things in training camp and they lose a couple of games early and like everybody's in panic mode. I don't think anybody's in panic mode. This was, you know, like you said, you're going to Michigan, you're going to Washington State, who should be ranked. And you got blown right. out by a couple of teams that are really talented. Middle Tennessee was definitely a bummer. That game sucked. They fought back in the second half. That was nice to see, I guess. But yeah, slow start. Not not what people were hoping for. You have an opportunity to get the monkey off your back this weekend, though. Is there a football emphasis you're starting to see? A, a stylistic trend you think this team will take on in the coming years? I mean, they're trying to establish the air raid, obviously, which is a finesse passing offense. But the trouble is they've really, really struggled to protect the quarterback. They've given up 23 sacks in three games. That's almost twice as many as the next most team. It's it's really hard to gauge a sense of what this offense can be when you're struggling that much in the trenches because you just you can't establish the run. You can't stretch the field vertically like you're hoping to with this offense. So it's kind of been a mixed bag. Um, defensively, I would say that there, there seems to be a lot more athleticism, particularly in the back end. I think they play with more physicality. You see a lot of talent at the edge position as well as the safety in modern football. That's really encouraging. So I think there's a lot to like about what you've seen from this team, just as far as, you know, their overall athleticism and talent goes, but they have not really played complimentary football. It's just a situation where the defense pops and then the offense pops a little bit and then you need it to all kind of work together and it just hasn't happened yet. You got a game coming up, Sacramento state coming into uh, Fort Collins. And I know you'll be working the sidelines on Avaca TV. Very excited for that. Um, what can you tell me about this game? How do we preview this game? And is this a more winnable game than what we've seen, at least in the Michigan and Washington state one? Yeah, definitely. I mean, Sacramento state's a team that you want to respect. They're, they're undefeated this year. They've hung really well against FBS teams over the last three years. And a lot of these players are the same. So that's kind of one of the things I look at. They, they lost by 12 at Cal last year. They lost by like 12 at Arizona State in 2019. So they're a tough team. They're five and two against ranked FCS opponents. Oh, wow. I mean, it's they're, they're kind of giant killers. You know, they're not exactly going to be coming into this game intimidated, particularly with what you've seen from CSU so far. Right. So. That can be a little bit unnerving. I will say they've given up a lot of points. Like they've scored a lot of points. They're really dynamic offense. They played two quarterbacks. One's kind of like a Taysom Hill type. Asher O'Hara has five total touchdowns, but he's a guy that like catches touchdowns, runs for touchdowns all over the place. But they allowed 500 passing yards in, in week one. And then last week they gave up, you know, close to 500 yards as well. So I think there is an opportunity for CSU, hopefully, to move the ball better. And, you know, as long as you're not getting torched on, on the other end, I think we're going to see kind of a coming out party for this offense this weekend. You see seven points against Michigan, seven points against Washington state, as you mentioned, slow start against middle Tennessee. They ended up with 19, but it sounds like that would be the thing you're looking for the offense to get a rhythm and to maybe get their, their foundation under them in this game, win or lose. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they've been outscored 78 zero in the first half of the first three games. 
Oof. You're not going to win a lot of football games when you yeah. go down like that. I mean, we saw last week it was 28-0 just like that. Again, you know, I, I think it is admirable and at least somewhat encouraging that they're not laying down. And in college football, games can get ugly real quick in a scenario where it's like you give up 28 in the first, all of a sudden you're down 55-0 right. at halftime. They haven't had that type of scenario yet, and that, you know, kind of speaks to the fight. We've also seen some of their, like, best moments come in the second half, but also, you know, sometimes they're rotating, so it's it's tough to kind of gauge, like, just how good they are. This should be a good week to kind of gauge their talent, but they got to start faster. You can't keep digging these holes. It's it's almost impossible to, to come out of them. Yeah. Give us one name going into this game that you think we should have our eye on. For CSU? Yeah. I'm going to throw out Edge, uh, Mo Kamara. He's a beast. He's really able to get after the quarterback, really explosive. Had a sack in the Michigan game where he torched the right tackle with a nice little ghost move. Tackle turns around. It's like, oh, God, he's already passed me. He's blowing up the QB. <laughs> he hit the quarterback four or five times in the last game, but he was just able to make some really, really nice plays with pressure in his face. I think there's a potential for Mo Kamara and CJ Onyeki, the other edge, to have a big week. All righty. He is Justin Michael. And as I said, he'll be doing the sideline reporting for the broadcast, which you can catch on Ivaca TV. Justin, thanks so much. Of course, man. And that does it for this week of the Denver Sports Podcast. I hope you enjoyed that sort of skin deep dive on all the things happening with your favorite teams here in Denver. Uh, should be exciting weekend with lots of things happening. Go Broncos, go Rockies, go Nuggets, go Avs, go Buffs, go Rams. 